welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name is Armando, aka Hot Take Mondo, and I'm joined by my friend Reese, aka the Reese Incarnate Bach Lesnar. And today we have another great podcast for you. The Chiefs win handily against the Jacksonville Jaguars. A lot to be proud of for the Kansas City Chiefs, and actually a lot of new things to look forward to, I think, for the Chiefs. Uh, but before we get into all that, Reese, how's it going? What's up? What's new? Uh, you know, it was, it's been a fun weekend for me. I uh, happened to stumble into two Chiefs tickets, courtesy of now friend of the podcast. His name is Brandon Harrelson. Uh, he, apparently, so his family's from Joplin. And I guess his family and another family split the ticket cost on like four season tickets. And uh, like, I think he texted Noel at like 9.45 Sunday morning. He's like, hey, do you want two tickets to the Chiefs game? And Noel's like, well, I can't go, but like, can Reese have the two tickets? And he's like, yeah, no problem. So uh, two tickets fell into my lap. And, you know, I'm, I'm a please. Reese loves you know, the deal. I'm an everyman. I go for the cheapest seats I can afford, you know, because like the tickets I can barely afford now because Patrick Mahomes and gang. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, just so good. So these seats were first level, like lower bowl. And I think we were probably about 15 oh. rows up from the sidelines. Nice. Uh, so we were just under the awning of the second row. And I, I mean, so like th- these are easily the greatest seats I've ever had in my life and probably will ever have in my life. Let's be real. Uh, but luckily, Alex, the rad Russian Nikolenko was able to join me for the game uh, in his Marvin Harrison Colts jersey and Colts hat. Because I was a little worried because it was cold. I mean, Kansas City standards is cold. It was like, uh, I think it was 20 degrees like that Sheesh. morning. It was projected to get like up to 25. So, you know, Arrowhead's Arrowhead's in the middle of nowhere. You know, it's like the wind blows out there. So I'm like, well, I better, I better stock up on stuff. So I had like five layers on and like two different hats, you know, and like three layers of socks and all that jazz. Here's the beautiful thing. I guess when you're rich and you can afford tickets in the, like that nice of space, uh, weather does not affect you because there was like no wind where we were sitting. The sun was like nice and warm. I probably wore too much, all truth be told. I'll say it was cold, but it didn't hold a candle to that game you, me, Noel, and Logan went to. Oh my gosh, that was that was intense. That was cold. That was like 15 degrees, like, and it was misting, and we were up in like the top of the 300 section, so the wind was blowing. Yeah, that, that was fun. <laughs> that sucked. That sucked. But anyway, yeah. So I got to watch the Chiefs, and I was and I was like five or six beers in, and I was still freezing. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And then we lost on that terrible two point conversion. That was the doo doo one, doo doo two game, wasn't it? Uh, that was doo doo. Yeah, and that was like prime Justin Herbert game. Wait, no, Phil Rivers. Yeah, that was Phil. That was Phil Rivers, the uh, second to last year as a Charger. Oh, that's right. Why? Why? I have this like vague memory that like Justin Herbert was shelling us, but no, it was Justin Herbert just spamming Mike Williams. So yeah, it was a good time. Alex caught a little bit of flack for his cold stuff, but like people had to be wait. The Eagles just fake punt. Oh my gosh. No, uh, Alex oh, no. caught. Did they make it? I don't know what he did. He must like boffed the snap and then like just ran with it or something. Oh, Sorry. I, I should let everybody know. I, I got a command center going on right here. One one screen, I've got the Monday Night Football game, Eagles Commanders. No uh, no pun intended command oh, center. Oh, gosh. Oh, I'm a Washington fan now officially. It's That's legal law. 
So, sorry, I, I'm rambling on the Chiefs game. Alice caught some flag for and some Colts stuff. The land of the free. Uh, Colts hate the Jaguars. We hate the Jaguars. So everyone's kind of cool with it. And uh, last thing I will say, you know, this is a craft beer podcast. You know, you worked at a brewery. I have brewing experience. Not brewing experience. Craft beer experience. Uh, there is something to be said about just drinking domestic beer and watching a football game. <laughs> I have done that <laughs> since I was in like college. Unrelated, but a good story. Did you go to my bachelor party? Well, I'm sorry, not bachelor party, but Logan and I did a combined um, party with Sporting KC. No, did you go to that? I did not go to that. Okay, yeah, I forget. I forget who went to that. I don't know why. I mean, you obviously would have been invited because you were invited to the wedding, and some people that went to that party were not invited to my wedding. I don't know why you didn't go. Oh, I think it was already the summertime. Maybe you're at Glimmerglass mm. already. This was this would have been like 2017. No, I don't even remember when it was. I'll have to ask Logan. But um, we did this. We did this party package that had a like a pregame to the match, and or sorry, not a pregame, um, a pre-party to the match, and it was like free hot dogs and beer. I mean, we had to pay for the party, but like mm-hmm. whatever, but it was like all, all Bud Lights. So it was wrapping up and they were like, okay, you know, you have to go in into the stadium now. And they're like, but go ahead and take as, as many beers as you want and just put them what? in your pocket. And we were like, what? They're like, yeah, go ahead. It's whatever. I mean, this is like, like, I forgot how I found out about this thing. I'm, I'm almost positive that I like signed up for, for some like sign up email on sportingkc.com and then i got contacted about this thing and then we just happened to have a party craziest thing so anyway i'm here like already like four beers deep and i like put as many beers that i as i can in my pocket logan puts like five beers in her <laughs> purse and like everyone is just like going into this cooler and just throwing beers into their uh whatever and the people at at security didn't care at all they're like oh did you guys just come from the from from the for the pregame party come on in so like we had like 20 beers at 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 our disposal during the game and it was like encouraged by the event center there at with sporting this is the funniest thing man but yeah it was uh good times with bud light wow so like the super bowl commercials are on to something then like you can have a good time with light beer Maybe we've been doing this wrong all along, Armando. Maybe like we should be the official. I'm not, because look what I'm drinking, Dude, baby. I looked for those at the gas station. There were no Montuckies to be found. So that's why we got the Corona. Ah! I have to go to like Montucky.com. They have to have a Montucky Dude, finder they have here. To. So, so just, okay, another sidebar. Did you ever go to Red X while you lived in Kansas City? I'm just thinking of all like the seven things Red X could possibly be. So Red X, (laughs) this is the most bizarre thing. If I owned it, I would call it like a little piece of Missouri in Kansas City, because it's okay. Imagine this. You know where? uh, uh, Not Berkeley Riverside. What is it? Um, Briarcliff. You know Briarcliff. So you, no. you go up the 169, uh, it takes you through like North Kansas City over the bridge, and like all of a sudden, like there's all those like really nice houses on the cliff right after you pass the river. Familiar with that? Oh, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. it's like to the left of Briarcliff, off the side of the road, there's this like big grocery store meets deli meets liquor store that like does all three of those things decently 
but like it's completely out of place but i'd always heard that a you can get whatever you need at red x wink whatever the wink means i don't know (laughs) but also i had heard (laughs) that red x has really good prices and selection on beer so I have looked around for Montucky, and I cannot find Montucky around Kansas City to save my life. I don't know why. But, of course, I looked it up on, like, Red X's website. Just for funds, he's like, yeah, we got it. I'm like, what? Of course you have it. So I'm driving out there, and it's just this little, like, it looks like a grocery store from, like, Zombieland or something like that. And it's just they got all these, these store brand things. They got, like, this deli selling, like, chicken gizzards and stuff up front. But lo and behold, you go to the side and like half of the building is just a big, long liquor store with like a fantastic wine selection and a really good beer selection. I will say I was upset because the website said they had a case of Montucky, like a, I think it was a 24 pack case for like 25 bucks, something like that. I could not find the case. The associate could not find the case. However, they did have tall boys of Montucky. So that was the first time I ever had Montucky in Kansas City. But I just wanted to see if you'd ever been to Red X because Red X is like truly this one once in a world type place where you got this like Chevy Astro camper van that has like a donut on it but there's also a dude in a Tesla across <laughs> from you and then there's like a 98 Jeep because Grand he's probably Cherokee looking for that Montucky cold snack. Well, there's like a burgundy Stingray Corvette across the parking lot like everybody comes to Red X it's an experience <laughs> while while you gave me a soliloquy on Red X I found uh, Montucky Cold Snack. There's a Montucky Cold Snack Finder. I wasn't lying. If you go on MontuckyColdSnacks.com, they have a snack finder, is what they call it. Um, and in Kansas City, you can find it at the following. You can find it at the pairing. Have you checked you the, pairing? the pairing? I thought I checked the pairing and didn't see it there. It says it's at the pairing. It's at Grand Slam Liquors on Grand Boulevard. Oh, pass. Um, Cellar Rat Wine Merchant on Baltimore? Cellar Rat has it? Apparently. Dude, the pairing and Cellar Rat are like super, well, not super fancy, but like as far as like beer and liquor stores go, like they're very fancy. Yeah, it, you tell it, me they got Montucky. It also tells me, like, it also tells me what restaurants have it. So, so the, the, uh, the, uh, Belfry has it or the Belfry has it, which is also a super bougie restaurant. Um, yeah. What else? Extra Virgin has it on draft. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Grinders has it. So, I mean, Grinders should have it. Uh, Thou Mayest has it. Thou Mayest, really? Thou Mayest Coffee has it, yeah. Dude, International well, Tap House to- has it, dude. That, that, that's our spot when I when I come back to KC. That's our spot, man. That's where we saw Patrick Mahomes break 50 touchdowns. <laughs> International Tap House has, like, no good craft beer, but for some reason they have everything. <laughs> They're like macro paradise. So, like, hey, do you want every yeah. variation of, like, Line and Kugels and Goose Island? Island and Blue Moon. It's like, have yeah, you okay. had Sam Adams pumpkin spice? We got it. <laughs> you got that one from the Bill Burl or Bill Burr SNL sketch? Yeah, <laughs> that's oh. funny. But anyway, so that is your that is your Montucky cold snack facts of the day, sponsored oh. by Montucky cold snacks, which would be pretty nice. Um, speaking about things that are not nice, Reese. Uh, we're getting to that. Your team sucks, Reese. <laughs> My team is. 
<laughs> we don't have to check the standings because my team's right, busy sorry, sitting, just, uh, yeah. okay? So, so just in conclusion, before we go into Reese's team, yeah, our the the the, uh, the big top three right now is David, Sam Esquire Jr., and Joel. Okay, Reese, the floor is yours. Let's see, where are you? Three and six. And in fact, um, not only is your team bad, but uh, you know how it adds like points for and points against? Mm-hmm. Um, you actually have the second least points against you with 909 and you're in 11th place yeah no it's bad dude so do you want the sob story about my team or do you want like the fundamentals of what happened to my team or where should we even start with all this crap i want the sob story because then i'm gonna come right back at you injuries 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 uh i mean i'll I'll say this so i think my first overall pick was uh jtt who got a little dinged up before i wound up trading him and even then jtt's not having a jtt type year uh, other guys, my running back two, J.K. Dobbins. He was slated to come back in like week two or three and be the featured back. He came back for like two or three weeks and then got put on IR Rip. again. So I'm like, great. Uh, Mark Andrews, I uh, picked him pretty high as one of the Rip. probably the two viable tight ends to pick, you know, in a draft. And uh, he got injured uh, again. So that's fantastic. Who else? And even we- sorry, even even to interject, even when J- J.K. Dobbins was back for those four games, seven carries for five fantasy points, yep. eight carries for four f- fantasy points, seven carries for one fantasy point. He's only had one really good game, and that was against the Bills. Yeah, it's been rough. Uh, J.K. Dobbins uh, has not shown up at all this year. Part of my trade for JTT was to acquire Justin Herbert and Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon's paid off, and I would say it's paid off better than I thought. However, Justin Herbert, fractured rib cartilage, he's getting worse. And not only is he injured, he has like his top receiving threats injured. So although they're somehow like six and three right now, like even last night, Herbert netted me 12 fantasy points, you know, and he went from being, I think I bought him when he was the sixth best fantasy quarterback. And now what's he ranked? He's he's like QB 14, which is not going to cut it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. His his last 20 point game was in week four against Houston. Well, and, and okay, so here's the other thing. Just last thing I'll say on injuries before I shut up because I know everyone deals with injuries. There's been no fewer than four weeks this year where one of my big heavy hitters gets featured big on their first drive and then gets taken out for at least the rest of the game, like injury wise. Happened to Mike Evans a few weeks ago. Mike Evans, in fact, was suspended a game, which was fantastic. Mark Andrews started hot. Uh, I think the last week he played. Who, who are they playing against? I remember he had like. Uh, Something like eight points. Last in the first game he played, that was a big game, or last game that he actually played before injury. Uh, last game he played. I have it right in front of me. The oh yeah, the last game Bay played game. before it was the Buc- Yeah, Buccaneers. He scored four point eight fantasy points. Yep. So uh, I got screwed on that because like all those points came in, like the very first drive, and they were gonna feed him, feed him, feed him. Didn't happen. So all all this to say, my team was. When I drafted them, even before the injuries hit, they were going to be boomer bust. And it just so happened that they busted. You know, nobody came through. I bemoaned this last week. I need somebody that can average 10 points a game. It's like, are you going to tell me that? Okay, so you're, so you're going to tell me that like Tom Brady is going to be putting up like, all these numbers, all these crazy stats, and yet... I can't trust Mike Evans, the guy who he spams all the time, to consistently like have a floor of 10 points. The fact he's had less than eight points in three of his last five games, it's like, Mike Evans, really? How? 
DK Metcalf, same thing. You're going to tell me that Geno Smith's going to come in up until this week, put up his, the best season of his career, be a dark horse MVP candidate, have all these great numbers, and DK Metcalf's not going to be a big part of that. It's like, are you for serious? Is that for real? Well, the the irony with that is that you hate DK Metcalf, and oh, and you should have you you should have known, Reese, not to pick up DK Metcalf because even though we even if we did know that Geno Smith was going to pop off, you also know that they have Tyler Lockett and now Kenneth Walker Jr. the third, and they just have a lot of weapons on that team. And I, I forget who their tight end is, but their tight end is actually pretty good as well. Oh, Disley. Um, no, no, no yeah, one thought. I mean, no one thought Disley, Disley was going to be up good. Points. No one thought Disley would be good. I no, thought I've I've had Disley in leagues in previous years, and he's put up points when he plays. No one thought that Kenneth Walker III was going to step in for the court for their running back that had to retire right before the season started and be the guy. I actually Kenneth kept Walker him in another league, and I dropped him in this league. I just dropped him before he popped off because I was like, oh yeah, he's not going to pan out because um, you're right. What's his name? I forgot his name. Chris Carson. <sighs> was it? Chris yeah, Carson. Chris Carson. Yep. Yeah. So it's like all these things happening. It's just like fantastic. I love how my team is just falling apart of the seams. And you know, I, I said it earlier on in the year too. I'm like, this is a fantasy team. That like, I need some more scoring output from. Like, you guys got to start cranking it out because I can't keep winning games by scoring. You know, like 92 points a week. They're like, don't worry, bro. We got gotcha. you. We'll score less than 92 points a week. It's like, oh great, thank you. That's exactly what I wanted. <laughs> Oh man, yep. well, rip Reese's team because yeah, it's probably the most boomer busting I've ever seen in my life. Um, I I I wouldn't be too nervous about Mike Evans. I think Mike Evans is going to be fine. He's not a top five wide receiver, but I think he's going to edge out like a top a top ten finish for you. Um, unfortunately, that's probably not going to cut it for you. Me on the other hand, Reese, let's go let's go right to my team. Oh, yeah. I was zero and six, and since the birth of my child, I'm now three and six, about to be four and six. Uh-huh. Leading the way is fantasy star Justin Fields who Dan Orlovsky has just named the NFL MVP today on first take or whatever team he's on so I'm I am riding the Justin Fields wave because no one wants to make a trade for him but that's another story for another day I also picked up Kenneth Walker the third who is just unbelievable goes from like running back 146 to now he's running back 16 actually had a had a down game only 10 points this last week Reese which would be like an all-time high on Reese's team yeah, I would. And then I also got AJ Brown. Someone dropped uh, Ravens D, which is now seventh. Uh, who did they? They just picked up somebody. I forgot who they picked up on their linebacking. Uh, they, Bradley Chubb. That's right. So, so their so their defense is doing well. And then I've got a couple flyers in there. So we got Garrett Wilson, who's up and down, but kind of coming back. We have um, Deonta Foreman, who I've talked about in the chat many, 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 many a time. And then look. Alvin Kamara's got to pop off at some time. Hopefully, Jameis Winston comes back because I think that means more Alvin Kamara on that Saints team. Um, so stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Looks like Reese and I are, are at the bottom of the totem pole, but one might be up and one might stay on the bottom. Also, those that are listening to the, this right now that are from our fantasy chat, we still have to figure out what the loser is going to do. And the more that we figure out who the last place is... I think the less we have the power to like pick what happens to the loser, because yeah. like if we know it's going to be Reese, then we're going to pick it for Reese. So no. we really have to like figure that out before it happens. <laughs> this is crap. This is absolute crap. The way that injuries and bye weeks fell, anyone in the league will tell you. I was fishing for a half decent running back too this week. My starting running backs were Antonio Gibson and Isaiah Pacheco. That's where Rip I'm rip. sitting at this point. <laughs> 
Rip, rip. (laughs) I mean, we love Isaiah Pacheco on this show. We're about to talk about that. Um, But for right now, very boom or bust in fantasy. Reese, talking about boom or bust. Actually, no, it's always boom, 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 boom on this chat. I mean, always boom, boom, boom on this podcast. We're always hanging W's. (laughs) Reese, if people love the W's, we hang the boom that we put on this podcast. How can they donate or even help us out on social media? If you want to help us out on social media, you can find us on Instagram at FountainCitySM. You can also find us on Facebook, although we're like never on Facebook anymore at FountainCitySM. Nah. Like no one but your aunt and uncle are on Facebook. Let's be real. Uh, you could find us on Twitter until because Elon bought it and uncanceled everybody. He therefore canceled people that weren't canceled. So unfortunately, we fall on the canceled list. Uh, so and or for $8 a month, you can contribute to us getting a blue check mark. Yeah, we, we, wait, is it eight bucks a month for a blue check mark? Yeah, it's eight bucks a month for a blue check mark. So if you donate, you can be our blue check mark sponsor. And we'll change our, we'll change our, what's it called, uh, handle to whatever you want it to be. <laughs> Justin Fields. <laughs> Justin Fields forever. But if you really like us, I mean, you really like us, you can check us out on Patreon at patreon.com backslash FCSM, where we will have bonus episodes exclusive beer reviews and even mini series such as season zero and speedy and angry our 10-part in-depth deep dive into the fast and furious franchise which speaking of which i told you we had those corona tall boys before we uh, went into the game yep when we got out of the car we passed the tailgate that was playing the theme from the end of fast five. Oh, it was so meant to be it was meant to be it was meant to be patreon.com backslash fcsm for the price of one Starbucks cup of coffee a month, you too can sponsor these two angels in the arms of an angel. There it is. Thank you, Reese. Speaking about things that are meant to be, the Kansas City Chiefs were meant to be number one in the AFC nine weeks into the season. Can you believe it, Reese, that we're number one in the AFC? I can't. I really can't. I thought after uh, I thought after the Bills beat us, truth be told, um, that... It would just be kind of like chasing the dragon for the rest of the year, and you know we would be doomed to the second seed or less. You know, but here we are. The Bills were kind enough to drop a couple games, and we've somehow managed to grind it through. And now we have a half game lead on the Bills. Technically, Kirk Cousin is just Kirk Cousins is just built different. Reese has nothing to do with Justin Jefferson or Dalvin Cook. Has everything to do with Kirk Cousins. You tried to get him banned from the chat last week, so I don't want to hear anything about it. <laughs> All I was trying I think, to do was post. I think I did say in the chat. I said if Kirk does beat the bills i'm cool with like shirtless kirk all week and no one's posted that's too bad so please i i accept it now because the kansas city chiefs are number one in the afc if the standings stay the way they are and we're a game above the bills it doesn't matter that the bills beat us we will still get um home field advantage which would be amazing especially after what happened last week at the titans i mean i was like we have so many holes on this team right now i i mean we're we're lucky to like get into a wild card now that's kind of a grandstanding there but but still for us to be where we are it is a beautiful thing to see the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 27 to 17 in Arrowhead with referees in the audience which was beautiful to watch Reese anything stand out to you in that game watching it like in person was there anything that you were like wow this is so much different in person than it is watching on TV like any people in particular um I will say uh 
the game seems slower in person when you're that close than it does on TV. It's kind of like the reverse effect. Like when you go to a basketball game, you're like, wow, these guys are huge. You go to a football game, you're like, wow, these guys are slow. I mean, obviously not really. It's all, I'm sure, forced perspective and stuff like that. But Except for uh, Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I will say, though, it's way more fun to watch the line play in person than it is on TV. Something about like... Because they actually played well. <laughs> I mean, that for one, but there's so much more movement going on. Like, you don't see just like a, like a giant you know, bunch of ants piling into each other, kind of like you do on TV. It's like, wow, look at all like the the fast twitch movements, you know, and like jostling that's going on. Even even you know, once the ball's past the line of scrimmage, it's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, why don't why don't we go right into that, Reese? Let, let's talk about our defensive line. We we never start the podcast with defense, but why don't we start the podcast with defense, Reese? We're starting to see, I think, a solidification of a really good defensive line in the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm not going to say elite, but boy, do I like a, a line that features Chris Jones, George Karloftis, Carlos Dunlap, and now. Colin Saunders what about his performance or what about this defensive lines performance that stood out to you so this is the thing about Colin Saunders I've been posturing for the guy since we drafted him in 2020 because you know I'm a Missouri Valley football conference guy and he went to Western Illinois so like I knew of him and I'm like yeah I'm like he's gonna be a great motor guy you know I don't think he's gonna be an every down starter but He's got some great intangibles. I mean, I know he's a little short. He's, what, six feet tall maybe, but he's like 305 mm-hmm. pounds. And the thing is, you, you've you probably seen this video. He can do a standing backflip at that size and build. Have you seen that? No. Oh, wait. Actually, you, I have. At, yeah, that was one of the like things when he was drafted. Look, you don't just do a standing backflip when you're six foot 305. There is some serious built differences going on. In that Kalen Saunders differences. <laughs> and I'll have to look up what his 40-yard dash time was, but I know he tested really well at the combine in terms of just being like explosive for a dude his size. So it's like, okay, so we got a super strong, super fast guy that could play nose tackle for us. Like, I like to see what he could do. And for the first couple years, he would he kept getting dinged up with like dumb things. Not his fault, but it's like, oh, I think he actually like sprained his UCL or something like that and couldn't, you know, couldn't play for most of the year. And his rookie year, obviously, he's not getting a bunch of playing time, you know, because he's a rookie. Someone's like, oh, what happened to Kalen Saunders? He's a third-round pick. Brett Veach sucks. I'm like, no, give the guy some time. So in this offseason, when they said, we need line depth, what's going to happen? I'm like, maybe we should try playing Kalen Saunders now that he's healthy. And look, you see the guy like... He's like a wind-up toy soldier, dude. He's relentless. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was talking even last game about how he thinks that um, after the Titans game, he was like, running backs have to go through me to get outside the line. And he, I mean, he's talking crap about Derrick Henry, albeit Derrick Henry looked good in that first half, but not in that second half. There's actually a lot of great adjustments there. And Colin Saunders was one of those reasons. So it's great to see someone like him, um, like a really, just a really good story, right? You and I both liked him out of the draft and we're finally seeing him solidified on this defensive line and really making a name for himself. So I'm very excited for this line. Again, I'm not going to say we look elite. This is still the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
Jaguars. Although I think this was the most prominent game or the the biggest loss that the Jaguars had, and they've and they've played some good teams. Like it's not like they've been like super bad this year. Um, so great to see Colin Saunders. Another person I want to bring up that people aren't bringing up, I, I think, from what I've been hearing, is George Karloftis. Um, so George Karloftis, like in the stat sheet, if you're not watching the game and you're just looking at the stat sheet, he's been unimpressive. But actually, when it comes to pressures, he's actually one of the best in the league. Through nine games, George Karloftis is now tied only with Aiden Hutchinson for the most pressures, which is 28, among all rookie defenders. And remember, this is this is against our guys Jermaine Johnson, who I had to do a Montucky cold snack take back. You know, so George Karloftis is proving himself to be one of the best rookie defenders in the NFL. Albeit he's not getting the sacks, but he's 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 getting the quarterback. He also had two batted passes on Sunday as well. So great to see him. Then of course Chris Jones. People are talking about Chris Jones being the defensive player of the of the year. Already playing better than NFL.com number one Aaron Donald. I mean, I'm so happy that he is back in defensive tackle. He's not defensive end. He's able to eat those Big Macs or whatever McDonald's sponsored food he has right now. But seeing Chris Jones and George Karloftis, and not only that, Reese, but because people are double teaming Chris Jones, we talked about this last year someone is gonna eat because of that and the person that's eating is Colin Saunders so great to see all three of them really working in tandem I'm very excited about this defensive line I like your shout out for George Carl Aftis as well because right now there are so many fans that are missing the forest for the trees with Carl Aftis like oh he doesn't so have true, the sacks of it. doesn't have the sacks of Aiden Hutchinson man he's not already TJ Watt we used the first round pick on him what a bust what a bust it's like guys he's only been playing football for like four years or something like that he's still got a lot to learn and he's gonna learn from steve spagnolo one of the best when it comes to training defensive ends number two he's putting in the intangible stats that don't show up in box scores like you said he's got two batted passes dude he's been knocking those things down like bump set spike all year i'm telling you also he might not be finishing sacks but he's causing the quarterback to have to bail out of the pocket and he's blowing up pockets more often than you realize sacks Sacks are such no sacks are great stats. Don't get me wrong, but anyone who thought that we're going to be getting like Max Crosby or we're going to be getting Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, or Khalil Mack or one of those dudes in the end, it's like no, you can do stuff other than sack. You can set the edge, not let him run by you. You can blow up the pocket to blow up the play. You can bat down passes. And right now, George Karloftis is doing that at a very high clip. Totally. Yeah, I I mean, stonks up for George Karloftis. He is our defensive end of the future. And I I really like what we have in Kansas City. And we saw, like I said, we've seen the adjustments. Travis Etienne didn't have a good game. And Travis Etienne's actually been pretty good this year. Um, Also, like I said, the adjustments we made on Derrick Henry. Those are the things that you want to see when we go into the playoffs. Um, One thing we didn't talk about in that game that I was doing some research on, they actually put Willie Gay um, on 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 the like defensive edge, kind of like a Von Miller hybrid, Micah Parson hybrid, put him on the line, and it actually really? kind of worked to force Derrick Henry in into the holes, which was kind of cool. Mm, dude, doing the whole sheepdog thing. I love to see it. Whole sheepdog. Shout out to Spags. Another shout out to Spags. Another person on on defense that I want to bring up uh, is our boy, Trent McDouble McDuffie. He had 50 coverage snaps against the Jaguars. Um, I don't say, wait. 
Jag, yeah, Jaguars. Jaguars, as they say over in Great Britain. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know why that just sounds weird. Jaguars. Um, let's just keep that in. I have baby brain. Um, had seven receptions for only 59 yards against people um, that were up against Trent McDuffie. We saw some great breakups from from Trent McDuffie. I mean, there was that one shot. I forget to. I think it was to a guru or whatever his name is. Um, I mean, like not not that the wide receivers for Jacksonville are elite by any means, but they're very speedy. I mean, Kirk, Christian Kirk is real. Uh, a guru, a guru is, is real. I forget who the third guy is on that team, but they have some speedy guys and it always seemed like Trent McDuffie was right by him making fantastic plays. This is what you want to see. This is why Kansas city let go of Rashad Fenton. This is why Kansas city let go of Traverius Ward. They know what they have in these young guys and boy, am I excited. Yeah, I got to say this. So, you know, a lot of times people people will come up to me and they'll be like, hey, Reese, I think you're like a Midwest six, but like a California four. And I'm like, hey, I appreciate that. That's very nice of you. Here's the thing. Who's coming up to you? <laughs> My dad. Um, so, <laughs> How so does anyway. your dad know what a California four is? So that's kind of how we've been with our secondary because... <laughs> You know, we've been taking these guys like Charvarius Ward, who it's like, oh, he was a undrafted free agent who's now, you know, worked his way up to a starting role. It's like, yo, that's really cool, but he's still an undrafted free agent for a reason. Guys like him, Rashad Fenton, seventh round pick, uh, going back even farther, Steven Nelson, I think, uh, Dudu too. I can't even remember who that was Ooh, at that point. Steven Nelson, rip. But it's like, we have so many of those guys, like, good for them. They've become a near league average cornerback that, like, when you finally get out of the Toyota hatchback and you actually hop in the Porsche, you realize exactly what speed do. Now, this isn't your 2.4 liter Toyota with the turbocharger you make by going whoosh every time you press the pedal. This is straight <laughs> up real sports car action right here, ladies and gentlemen. McDuffie allowed one reception to Marvin Jones yesterday for 33 yards and people said oh you know that's who it was Marvin Jones right but but here, here's the here's the thing though that was an absolute dime that Marvin Jones had yeah. to lay out like five yards to catch so at a certain Fair. point you just have to say you know what perfect throw perfect reception can't do anything about that later on in the game looking for Marvin Jones again McDuffie comes over to help he died. He the, the closing speed he has to then lay out and backhand a pass instead of just like freaking out and causing a pass interference, just like slow the dude down as we've been like attuned and trained to believe will happen. Trent McDuffie has some straight up blue chip qualities to him to the point that give another year or two. I don't think this is a hot take. I think this is potential fact. He could be a premier lockdown corner in the NFL. Oh, no, un un undoubted. And and when we got Trent McDuffie, I think that's what people were saying anyway. I mean, I mean, if you look and you go back to all the great cornerbacks that come out of Washington, like Washington knows how to recruit and the Chiefs know that Washington knows what they're doing when it comes to cornerbacks. So it's great to see him play against pretty good, you know, pretty good talent and still doing extremely well. I think I think this next week, if Mike Williams plays, this is the ultimate the like it's the final boss for uh. for Trent McDuffie. And some of you might be rolling your eyes that aren't Kansas City fans. But if you're a Kansas City fan, you know, Mike Williams has our number. Like I, I would, I would rather go up against. Um, I'm going to do a hot take. 
I mean, almost. <laughs> Sorry. No, I mean, uh, I'll be, I'll be real. I would rather go up against like Michael Thomas. I'd rather go up against. Um, well, I'd go up against Michael Thomas any of the year, dude. Michael Thomas is so overrated, and he can't even see. The I mean, field he's right just, now. yeah, I can't even see the field. You're right. <laughs> yeah, I'll take, I'll take, um, my, I'll see, take Michael Thomas personally. <laughs> Reese's Reese's ACL just snaps as you're just looking at him. He just he walks on the field and his brain snaps in half. Still too afraid to run more than five yards against me though. That's where that's where his bread and butter is. Um, Anyway, all to say, like he is he is the Chiefs' final boss. So I I really am looking forward to that matchup, even if it doesn't go well. Like Trent McDuffie needs to go up against people like that, so then we know he's a dog and see him in the playoffs. Uh, But yeah, really excited with him. Lajarius Sneed had a couple blown plays. wasn't happy about that. But again, Duffy Sneed. This is a very new combo, so let's give him some time to really make it work. Right there are on uh right there with the d-backs you Let's know see. I, I, I will oh, say one ahead. thing on legerious just really quick in legerious needs defense uh someone on the jaguars probably peterson because he's a good coach did find some ways to exploit him in the sense of well two things about christian kirk first number one christian kirk uh the 20 million dollar man who screwed the entire wide receiver market everybody hates christian kirk he is not worth 20 million dollars a year Second thing is, though, he is just fast enough. So, Legereus Need, great guy, great hitter, good in coverage, former safety, we know all that stuff. Christian Kirk is just fast enough that if you can kind of juke Legereus Need, you know, to, to, to bite on something and then cut, he is just fast enough to, like, make you pay for that with a guy like Sneed. Yeah. Now, had McDuffie totally. been shadowing him, I don't think he would have had the day he would have had because of McDuffie's closing speed and just foot speed in general. Yeah. What Actually, furthermore, um, and not getting off subject, what did you think about Trevor Lawrence? Oh, dude. Uh, is this, a, this is his second year, right? Yep. It feels like this is like his third year, at least. Uh, I'm going to be honest, like when you see him field level, you're like, yo, that's a big dude. You know, like he's probably every bit of six, four, you know, he's got some, he's a skinny dude, but he has some muscle to him. You know, he doesn't throw a terrible ball, but it's getting to the point now that with some of the throws he made, I'm just like, yo, I wonder if this guy just doesn't have it. You know, I mean, it's, it's, he's kind of like maybe the Clyde Edwards, Alaire adjacent of dude, dude, I didn't see any zip on that ball. No zero zip. He doesn't run. I mean, he had a couple of runs. Like, what? What is he good at? I mean, yeah, he he's he's accurate, but so is Tua right now. <laughs> well, I mean, he kind of. I I think Tua actually throws it tighter than he does. I, I might just be making this up, but like, if I'm imagining Trevor Lawrence's windup and release, he almost has like a Tim Tebow esque. You know, in terms of like how Oof. far out his arm goes and like where he releases Oof. it, he's got a high release. Man, uh, no, it, it's interesting. I, I, ugh, I don't want to say I still think I see what everyone else sees. I, I never saw that. I've said this. I've never seen this. You know, once every twenty-five year prospect, everyone kept making him out to be. Right. They said he was the best since Andrew Luck. It's like I, I still think there's a, you know, a solid NFL starter there that has like maybe a Derek Carr ceiling. But no, I, I don't see superstar Oof. franchise savior. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I saw one scramble that was impressive. I saw him throwing it like where he needed to throw it, but there was no zip on that ball. Spiral didn't look any good at all. Um, 
I guess he was making good decisions, but I don't know that like, again, if, if the standard was best quarterback since Andrew Luck, nothing I saw there showed me that at all. And this was against our average, uh, dare I say now above average defense, but I guess we'll talk about that every week. Look, Reese, I'm just happy that we, we did well as a defensive core led by Chris Jones, now budding star, Trent McDuffie, even shout out to Leo Chanel, man. Leo Chanel also showing up has his first career sack as well. So some good signs to come. Anything else you want to talk about on defense Reese before we have a tasty beer? Yeah, I think that's fair. One last shout out to Leo Chanel. Like you said, he really came out of the guns blazing. Uh, I believe he had a sack and a half in that game. And I would say this is the first game that it looked like he was running downhill. He was running with confidence. I don't know if he's just starting to get the playbook. You know, Spag's kind of weird, complex defense more in line in his brain. Or if this is the first time they kind of, you know, took the collar off the dog and said, go get him. But we saw more from Leo Chanel today that we hope to see by taking the highest graded linebacker in the draft. Bada bing, bada boom. We we took the leash off of Leo Chanel. He said, go get him. I'm taking my leash off Reese and I'm going to go grab a tasty IPA from my fridge. Stay tuned. Nice. segment of the show where we talk about what's going on this week in craft beer as well as review a delicious craft beer for your listening pleasure now armando i was mentioning earlier on the podcast and how wonderful it is just to drink domestic beers do you think uh we should ever just do like a series where we rate all the major domestic beers and we try and like make a hierarchy oh that actually sounds really good and really tasty i don't know if we should do it in the winter though maybe we should wait till after the winter and maybe mm, yeah. when the when it starts getting warm but um but i mean you can always have a tasty lager all the time i'm down and you you already sent you sent kyle and i uh like uh, one of those memes of the hierarchy of beer anyway so oh, yeah. maybe you've just been thinking about it. maybe we just gotta we just gotta do it we gotta do it because we can do it better than that meme did it i honestly did not agree with that chart 100 percent. i don't I don't know, neither did I. And I think it was more of a meme than like an actual chart. Yeah, but we don't joke around about that that kind of stuff here on Found City Sports Media. However, uh, the stuff going on this week in craft beer, this comes from the website American Craft Beer, Drink Serious Beer, uh, and the headline is, Does Beer Fight Alzheimer's Disease? Whoa. Yeah, so interestingly enough, a new study from Italy suggests that moderate beer consumption might help prevent Alzheimer's, and that certain hop varieties could prove more effective than others. What are those hop varieties, you may ask? You'll have to wait and tune in on Fountain City Sports Media. Ah! Anyway, no, but for all seriousness, uh, researchers tested four common hop flower variety extracts that they found in beer. Sorry. Researchers tested four common varieties of hop flower extracts that are found in beer to see how well they prevent brain protein clumping a process which can lead to Alzheimer's. So, interestingly enough, the hops that they found could potentially present, prevent it are Cascade, Sots, Tetnong, and Summit. I know at least three of those... Tetnong? I believe three of those are noble hops, or the, the European hop varietals. Am I not mistaken? I don't know what Tetnon is. Did they get that from the Amazon? Uh, that's a very good question. T-E-T-T-N-A-N-G. 
Tetan, you get it in Yakima. Yep, it's a German hop. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe the Germans are onto something, you know, with delicious Which crap. is from the Saws group. Yeah. So, all your lagers, your Pilsners, your Hellas, your Hefeweizen, your Schwarzbeers, all those things. Dude, drink up. It honestly could be good for your health. Bada bing, bada boom. Good. I've had one today. One a day keeps the doctor away. Yeah, man. The new apple is a delicious German lager. So speaking of German lagers, Armando, what craft beer will you be reviewing for us this week? This week I have with me, I, I actually don't know if I've reviewed a beer from this brewing company, but it's one of the best in Colorado. Um, this is a beer that I had purchased um, for when Reese was here. Um, I think we just had so many loggers we didn't get to my IPAs. We got log jam, dog. <laughs> log jaw. Log jaw. Uh, so this one, um, I can't even remember if, I don't know, how, I think I just got a single can of this, or maybe I had more. I don't know. We're about to find out. So today I'm going to be reviewing NZ, State of Mind, from KC Brewing and Blending, and not KC as in Kansas City, but KCCASEY. It is one of the best breweries in Colorado and actually one of the best for sour beers. Uh, but they also have incredible IPAs. Um, so this beer is brewed with Nelson, which is my favorite hop, and Motueka, or Motueka hops, which yeah, I dude. don't know quality or quantity it's a it's a southern hemisphere hop you'll get a lot of like kiwi and kind of tropical fruits in there oof my favorite yes, yeah sir. cool so i'm really excited it has a what does it have it has a 4.1 on untap so pretty pretty high remarks well so here's one thing i gotta ask you is is casey brewing and mixing are they actually like one of the top rated breweries or is it just kind of like new york and pizza places we're like ah we're the best place in town you know it's kind of like well everyone's <laughs> uh, no they're they the best. no actually uh, so casey brewing uh blending not mixing but casey brewing and blending um their owner is his name is troy casey and troy casey is very highly revered i know with the brewers around here okay very cool so yes a good a good place with good beer so here we go man let us uh, let the let the viewers know if they're new to this how we do this while i uh open this bad boy up all right for those of you who might be joining us for the first time in this podcast we review craft beers a little bit differently we have five categories including appearance aroma flavor mouthfeel and aftertaste and after each category we give it a rating of one to ten one being trash water and ten being Eau de toilette. I don't know. <laughs> Toilet water being fancy. I don't know. Good to bad to good. We rate it bad to good. Anyway. So first category is going to be appearance. Armando, what does that beer look like? This boy is chunky. Um yeah, I mean, we have like a dark gold on this guy, so you can tell there's a lot going on. Very hazy, and it's not a hazy, it's, it's an IPA, but there's just so much, it's not clear at all. Um, I would assume that it is that uh, Motueka hop, if I'm saying that right. And of course, the Nelson gives it that nice cloud as well. Um, so for the style, it's a little different because if it's just supposed to be a straight IPA, this is very, this looks very much hazy as opposed to translucent 
but looks good. Ooh, and still has a really good carb on that. I can still see the bubbles coming up from the bottom to the top. The head retention's great. How about a 9.1? All right, 9.1 on appearance. In category number two, aroma. Are you getting some of those tropical notes, you know, from the Nelson, from the Motueka? What kind of what kind of smells are you smelling? Um, I will preface it that my <laughs> my nose is kind of clogged up right now. So oh, oh no, our our wonderful sterile testing is compromised. I know I'm gonna have to go do a sinus rinse and come back. Uh, but from what I can. What I can smell right now, it might have been because you said it. Sometimes when people say things, and you can start smelling it, but definitely kiwi. Yeah, <laughs> but I've no, never, sure. I've never smelt kiwi though, like on beer. But because you said it, I can definitely, definitely smell. It. I think for me, sometimes the kiwi could be pineapple, is what I normally say when I, when I maybe smell this smell. Mm-hmm. So I got pineapple, kiwi. I have grapefruit. Mm-hmm. Very sweet though. I mean, sometimes with the Nelson hop, you can you get that orange. I know I say orange rind a lot. That's just kind of what I identify. But I, this is very very sweet. Totally. When I love, you know, I love my sweet beers. How about a uh, solid nine, nine point zero? All right, we got back to back nine or above. So category number three, flavor. What does this beer taste like? Our favorite category, and I'm reading my favorite tweet right now. Um, so the Eagles just lost to the Commanders. Adam Scheffner tweets, 1972 Dolphins can celebrate, dot, 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 again. Lols. <laughs> yeah, talk about, taking the, <laughs> talk about taking the field. Hmm. Hmm. Definitely not as sweet as as the nose. Um, this I'm getting I'm getting some grapefruit, but it definitely is more on the sour side. You get a little bit of that kiwi. I don't get any pineapple. Hmm. But it's actually pretty smooth. Well, I guess that's more mouthfeel. Hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say kiwi and grapefruit are very 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 prominent. Um, not very diverse though. I think I would have wanted a little bit more sweetness because I sniffed the sweetness. Mm-hmm. Again, when I say these things, I'm being hypercritical. We we've reviewed hundreds of beers and they're all very very good. So this this is also a good beer, just not one of the top top notch ones. So how about an eight point seven? All right, eight point seven on flavor, still pretty solid. So then you had mentioned something about the mouth feel. So let's go a little bit more in depth on that and unpack it a little bit. Mouth feels category number four. Uh, what kind of consistency does this IPA have? It's kind of translucent, is a little bit heavier, or is it lighter? What's it like? Yeah, it's wild. I mean, it's it's hard to distinguish now. Like, um, if an IPA is made with Nelson hops, it's hard to distinguish that from a hazy because a Nelson hop IPA has a, almost almost all the qualities that you have in the um, in a hazy as opposed to just a regular West Coast IPA. Um, but with this I- IPA. On the uh, on flavor, it tastes like a hazy, but the mouth feels total, just straight up West Coast IPA. It's very light, a little bit bitter, uh, very carby. It's not dense at all. So like the volume that you get from the flavor does not match the mouth feel. I don't know if that was supposed to happen or if that's just something I'm deciphering. 
But I like that. I like it because then it makes me want to drink more of it because I don't want it to be so heavy all around. It has a pretty nice light feel to it. I would have wished it maybe a little bit more carby than than it is right now, but definitely light in in texture, which is which is cool. So how about uh, eight point six? All right, eight point six for mouthfeel. Then category five aftertaste you said it was kind of sweet but not too crazy sweet in the front what's it like on the back do you get more kind of the hot bitter earthy notes or does it kind of maintain the status quo yep right on the nose definitely more bitter on the on the back end the sweetness essentially goes away once it hits your tongue um, once you give it a, that nice swallow it's it's more of the bitter taste still pretty light though which is nice you get more of that orange rind uh, a little more harsh which is nice which is nice I, I I like that it has that diverse profile to it it's not just one thing um, it has it has a whole journey to it which is cool uh, 8.8 Eight. All right. 8.8. This beer's got some good reviews then across the board. But now it's time for our sixth and secret category the Stonks Drinkability Quotient. Armando, freestyle on this beer. How does it make you feel? What does it do special? The floor is yours. You know, one of the last trips that Logan and I took um, before we found out that she was pregnant. Um, was we went to Glenwood Springs. It was just a really cool, uh, really cool um, mountain town that's pretty pretty cheap or pretty uh, good in value, right? It's not Aspen, it's not Vale, but Glenwood mm-hmm. Springs has a lot to offer, and this is where Casey Brewing is. So I have a fond memory of Logan and I just sharing some beers, having a good time, um, and they have so many great beers that we had, like just style wise, a good sour, a good stout a good ipa a good lager um so it's just bringing me back to all those great times in glenwood springs it it wasn't too cold wasn't too hot there was still some snow on the mountains just a just an overall solid time even nelly was there nelly had a good time um so it's kind of bringing me back to that the um the beer just tastes great, right? It's a solid beer. Casey's always gonna always gonna have bangers. Maybe it's not on Mount Rushmore, but you know, solid beer. Nine point two on Stonks drinkability quotient. Stonks up on NZ state of mind. All right. Well, Armando, thank you for reviewing that beer for us. Now, everybody, keep it chill, keep it frosty, because we got some hot, hot Chiefs offense to talk when we get back. We sure do, especially after this Eagles game, Reese. Does that change what we think of Patrick Mahomes? Stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back from an awesome beer review. I just reviewed NZ State of Mind from KC Brewing and Blending. It's a wonderful beer. I'm still sipping on it. Hopefully, I'm still coherent after drinking this because I didn't get much sleep last night from the ever-present Theo waking up every three hours and sometimes even less than three hours. But we're here. We're ready to roll. Talking about a great Kansas City Chiefs win. Before we really unleash on talking about how great this offense Offenses, Reese. Uh, we do have a question of concern. Um, we had Juju Smith Schuster, a non call, him getting targeted and showing signs. I forget what the proper term is, but when one is concussed and they then show signs of rigidness in their body, particularly in their fingers, um, it's escaping me what the word is, but, but those are. Position. 
There you go. That position. Um, Those are signs of clear brain injury. So scary, scary time there for Juju Smith-Schuster. Reese, what did you see on that play? Of course, we are um, we are uh, fearful of what's going to happen, although we haven't heard anything about Juju since in a in a good way. Right. We haven't heard he didn't go to the hospital or anything. He he was able to leave on his own accord. Uh, But talk about that, but also talk about the no call there and how the refs again disappoint the Kansas City Chiefs. Let me get to sound hypocritical here because when I saw that play live, I told Alex, I'm like, oh, I think that's just a really good hit. You know, like I really think it's a really good hit. But then, you know, Juju was on it the was ground. It was quick. Like so you I said, Juju was on the ground in the fencing position. And, you know, even on replay, it didn't look like he necessarily like went full helmet to helmet spearing. But again, you don't go into the fencing position and you don't get a concussion unless like you've taken a hit to the head or neck area. The other thing to say is the fact that in that case, to this degree, even if it wasn't necessarily like full head to head or whatever, Juju was still a defenseless receiver in that position. You know, I I was saying to some people, I was texting some of my buddies, I said, I'm like, yo, the, the, the NFL officials are taking this game like 20 years back in terms of like what a hit is and what a hit isn't and what's legal and what's not. Uh, and to me, I think the fact that they threw the flag says to me that, yes, initially, knee jerk, that's a penalty. And the fact that Juju is lying on the ground, passed out, should say, yes, that did something that ticked off one of the boxes for what we throw flags for. So the fact they go over there and they pick up the flag and say, there is no foul for unnecessary roughness. It's like, you hypocrites. I see that called all the time. Later on in the evening, uh, Justin Herbert gets a player ejected for because ta- Herbert took a shot like that when he was a runner. And again, that was a case like Herbert was pushed into this dude. He also wasn't headhunting, but he got that guy ejected. So the fact that there was nothing on this play and that Herbert got a dude ejected, uh, NFL, your officiating is a joke. You can them all. I'm dead serious. Can them all. Yeah, yeah. This is this is definitely one of the worst years for uh, for refereeing, and it could be part. No, I'm not even gonna say it's partly because of social media, but but we now have so many angles as fans. And we have so many replays that you can see in an instant that we can really see what's happening on the field. Where, where beforehand, like we can watch it on the game. I can go back and look at seven different angles right now on Twitter to see, you know, what really happened on that play. So even more so that the refs really need to be careful, and the refs need to utilize New York when they have it. Right? They have people looking and can and can aid them in this. But it, I feel like the refs are too proud and they're doubling down this year. On, on protecting themselves but in doing so they look like fools and in doing so this may be one of the worst years in NFL history when it comes to officiating um, one one clear sign Reese I'll, and then I'll let you I'll let you go um, one clear sign that that this was targeting is that um, I forgot the 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 defender's name I just Cisco. Cedric Cisco Cedric yeah Cisco Cisco never puts his hands out to make a tackle. If you are leading with your head 
and you are not using your hands to make a tackle, that is an illegal move. No, like no if, ands, or buts. If you are not going to use your hands to make a play and you are going to lead with your head and then you go helmet to helmet, you better get ready to get to get a flag, if not ejected in the game after a fencing position, right? That was not a proper tackle. He didn't even put his hands out. He was he was ready to drill him with his head. Well, this is why it's so important. I've told you, you know, I was a soccer official, and whenever we went to like our academy training sessions, one thing they always told us was like, blow your whistle hard and early if you have to to set the tone, because if you don't and you keep letting people play through ticky-tack stuff, that has a way to snowball and set the tone for the rest of the match. In this case, not four or five plays later, Cisco, same guy, headhunts Marquez Valdez yep, Scantling. Again. And guess what? Same song and dance. They throw a flag on the play and they decide to pick it up and say there is no foul. Guess what? That second time, Cisco went a little bit more egregious with it. This wasn't a blindside hit. This was launching himself upward, full helmet-to-helmet contact on Marquez Valdez Scantling. So, what did you see twice that you said, yeah, from what I've been told, you know, what I've been trained, that's a penalty. And then someone comes over and says, nah, dude, trust me, that's not a penalty. I don't know what you're seeing. What I'm saying is, the Chiefs have been on the wrong side of these calls so much this year. And Patrick Mahomes doesn't get like any roughing the passer penalties. That is getting to the point that I know I'm a tinfoil guy here, but it's like, is there someone in the league office saying we cannot let this small market team, you know, run to another Super Bowl or AFC title? Like we have to officiate them differently than everybody else. Because like I said, Justin Herbert got a dude ejected. I can't remember the last time I've seen a dude ejected from an NFL game for a one hit penalty. (laughs) Excuse me. Getting worked up. And the fact that we had two of these in the span of one quarter and we didn't so much as get a flag. Why are we being officiated under different standards and guidelines than other teams? That's all I want to know. You know, and and another indicator that things are wrong. One of one of the most stand-up gentlemen in the league, and someone that never complains, is Andy Reid. Andy Reid twice has brought up the refs, and he even brought up the refs during this as well. A rare post-game press conference where Andy Reid did say it was troubling what had happened, not only to Juju Smith-Schuster but to uh, M- MVS as well. So again, a person that doesn't complain about the refs, and someone that you know really respects the game and respects the refs is also calling them out and also trying to protect his players because what do you think is going to happen in the uh in in the playoffs Reese? say say we're matched up again against the titans or we play the jets or we play a um a, a miami team that has a better defense now after the trade deadline i mean these guys are looking at the film and they're saying hey they're not calling stuff on patrick mahomes let's light them up hey they're not calling holding on kelsey Let's light them up. Hey, Juju's a little banged up. Let's bang him up even more. You know, these are things that we don't talk about, but of course these are things that playoff teams are talking about because you win with the smallest of margins. Um, so we will continue to be the purveyors of justice and call out the refs when they need to be called out. Fortunately, the refs did not um, change the game. We, we won this game full out. None of that uh, fortunately mattered when it came to the outcome, but of course we're thinking of Juju Smith-Schuster who's probably going to be out um, for this next game. Um, 
In doing so, one of the reasons why I'm not so scared, even with Juju out, is the homecoming of, not homecoming, sorry, the coming out party for two players, Reese. Let's talk about one, talk about your favorite, and then we'll end the pod with another favorite. Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony, who I joked about, Reese, a couple months ago. Um, no, not even a couple months ago. A couple weeks ago. Saying that Kadarius Tony has has some Tyreek Hill in him. He doesn't have that dog in him. He's got some Tyreek Hill in him. He's got a cheat and in him. I, and I, he's got a cheat. There you go. He has a cheat in him. And I was kind of joking, but... We saw some Tyreek Hill in him this past game. Four receptions for 57 yards with one long of 23, averaging 14.3 yards per reception. Reese, what did you see from Kadarius Tony, and how does this excite you for the future? Uh, so I'm going to say this. I think it's very possible that Mark, uh, not Mark. I think it's very possible that McCole Hardman just lost his job after this year. Wow! Because, because even after his four touchdown game, huh? Even after that, I think he's going to get paid, like I said, by somebody else. But why would we keep Marquez? Oh my gosh! Why would we keep McCole? <laughs> Who this is his first year that he's starting to blossom, but he's going to be exponentially more expensive. When we just picked up somebody who fills the same kind of role, does it better, and we still have technically three and a half years of rookie control on him. That's what I'm saying. The other thing is, like you said, the Tyreek Hill comparison. How many times have we seen it since Tyreek's been in the league that teams have been looking for their Tyreek? We see, you know, the Raiders draft rugs. We draft McCall Hardman. Uh, who's that guy from the Browns? Corey Judy. Coleman. Uh, Jerry Judy Broncos uh, so many other guys it's like oh this is our Tyreek Hill it's like Garrett Wilson Drake London it's like that's a dude that has very elite straight line speed and like ran the 60 yard dash in college but you know what makes Tyreek Hill we've talked about is a his shiftiness and b his acceleration ability to go from like zero to top speed in the blink of an eye now, Kadarius Tony doesn't have the top speed necessarily of those guys. He's still fast, but he's not like absolute elite burner fast. Mm-hmm. But just as I said that he takes care of a lot of the roles that McCole Hardman fills in this offense, Kadarius Tony, skill set wise, is probably the closest we've seen of all these dudes that can kind of replicate what Tyreek Hill does in terms of shedding dudes, being a yards after catch monster, and turning a five yard slant to like a 35 yard gain. And he's got elite hands and tracking ability. Dude, I'm very excited about Kadarius Tony. Yeah, with, and, and another indicator that Kadarius is going to be great, we've seen trades for wide receivers for the Kansas City Chiefs and those not be successful right away. Uh, we've seen Josh Gordon, right? Josh Gordon, we can say, is more athletic than Kadarius Tony. But when it comes to knowing the playbook, when it comes to executing, and when it comes to trusting, that never happened for Josh Gordon. I know I can, I'm not thinking of any other examples, but someone like a Josh Gordon, right? We, we, we bring in these guys and sometimes doesn't pan out Kadarius Tony from day one they already put him in the they put him in the offense I think he had two targets the first game and then already five targets the third most on our team today like Kadarius Tony is exponentially moving up in a complicated offense um, again who was Kadarius Tony's um, or who is a part of that Giants offense Mike Kafka 
right? So he, not that the Giants run a Chiefs offense, but Kadarius Toney knows the basics of this Andy Reid offense, and that's proving to be true. It's also proving to be true that his hamstring injury was fake news. I don't know yeah. what happened in New York, but New York, you, 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 you couldn't find a middleman. You couldn't find someone to like talk him down a ledge and say hey you're really good and you haven't been not good like there there must be something going on in that Giants organization maybe a word was said that shouldn't have been said maybe there was an argument during training camp who knows but we know from his film with New York Giants there was no regression there was there was nothing to show us that anything was wrong with him other than this proposed hamstring injury Kadarius Tony is the national media is really bearing the lead here Kadarius Tony is a first round pick and is still a first round talent this isn't like the Brett Veach gambling on a first round pick like he always does on cornerbacks like Hughes and who knows who else I know I know Brett Veach loves his former first round pick this is one former first round pick that is still a first round talent i am super excited to have Kadarius tony and like reese said we're going to talk about it in the offseason i'm sure it's going to be easy to get rid of mccall harman after this <coughs> if if we don't want to pay juju, juju smith schuster this may be another reason why we don't pay juju smith schuster you know what i mean like having Kadarius tony here say sky Moore makes a leap say justin ross comes back after injury this is not only a good receiving core, could be a scary receiving core. And remember, Travis Kelsey, he'll still be there. That's a very good way to put it. Some other things I wanted to dissect about Kadarius Tony and his game style. I think one important thing to remember is that he played quarterback uh, in high school, and he was actually initially recruited some places to play quarterback in college. So much like Travis Kelsey, he's a former quarterback. He knows what's in their head and what they're looking for, That's and he can point. subsequently adjust his game to make it easier for the quarterback and him to get in line. We saw that a lot this last weekend against the Jaguars, and it makes me very excited. Now, one last thing against the Tyree Kill comparison and things. One thing with Michael Harden we've always seen is that it takes him like a little bit of time to kind of get his engines going. Like He's not the shiftiest. He's good at following a lane and kind of getting up to speed and then being hard to catch. Kadarius Toney is so quick and like explosive in his movements that he can just shake man coverage, he can beat the defender and get open. He's, I don't want to say he's elite at high pointing, but for being a five foot eleven dude, he can get up there and track the ball. He's incredible. And again, he might not be Tyree Kill, Ruggs, Hardman, that speed level, but he did run a 4-3-9-40 at the Combine, so it's not like this guy's slow. Yeah, totally. He has explosiveness. He has the tools. He's athletic. Can't wait for him to be really a part of this offense. Hopefully going to see, you know, eight to seven targets a game. Speaking about someone that is explosive, Reese, this is your crush. This this is fanboy Reese coming out. The floor is yours because finally... Nine weeks into the season, it looks like it is Isaiah Pacheco's running back number one spot to lose. It was the coming out party for Isaiah Pacheco. 16 carries, 82 yards. CEH, not even on the stat sheet. Not, and th- not injured. 
not even on the stat sheet coach's decision did not play reese the floor is freaking yours i told you so and reese was there reese was at the isaiah pacheco coming out party i mean how how glorious how um i don't know how how poetic that reese would be there to see isaiah pacheco take the reins Dude, it was a huge honor to see future Hall of Famer Adrian Peterson Pacheco out there just balling <laughs> out. Seriously, okay, in I all love, I love how, how we're saying that he had 82 yards and no touchdowns. <laughs> well, but, but here's the <laughs> but, thing, though. I mean, clearly, he's clearly the workhorse. 16 carries. The one that had second was Patrick Mahomes with seven carries. 16 carries, 82 yards for a 5.1 average. Now, he hasn't busted off a big old, like, you know, 50-yard touchdown run yet. But again, for all intents and purposes, I'm calling this Isaiah Pacheco's first start. And by that, I mean, yeah, he started some games like last week where it's like, yeah, he's the starter, but he's still only going to get three touches. What the heck do you expect a guy to do with three touches that come over the span of an entire game? No, for the first time, they decided in this game... We're going to commit to Isaiah Pacheco being the featured back and we'll mix in Jarek McKinnon on third down for his pass pro and hands. And what did that get you? 16 carries. Not a smorgasbord of running, but enough that the Jaguars couldn't just commit to selling out four dudes and putting everybody else into coverage because when they did, Pacheco was busting off runs of six, seven plus yards. And here's the scary thing. He hasn't had a whole bunch of time to work with the ball this year, but you can see he's getting better. He's starting to find some of these lanes. He's not just taking the ball and running straight into the back of an offensive lineman. He's starting to make cuts. He's starting to make juice. He's starting with purpose. So, as I talked about, McCole Hardman might be out of a job with the Kansas City Chiefs after this year. I think it's very possible that Clyde Edwards-Alaire might also be officially out of a job with the Kansas City Chiefs this year. No carries. Andy Reid said that wasn't necessarily by design, but no carries, two targets thrown his way, one of which, again, for being that hands back, he absolutely boffed catching a screen pass that killed a drive. I think if the coaches are smart, and I really hope they are, this is the beginning of the Isaiah Pacheco, Jarek McKinnon, one-two back situation. Absolutely. I, I really don't have much to add from that, uh, Reese. I almost called you Isaiah. Oh, my gosh. You're becoming Isaiah Pacheco. Dude, becoming Pacheco. That's that's the new documentary I'm going to film. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> lol. Like, right out the gate. Just like you said, we saw so much explosiveness. I forget the quote that Patrick Mahomes made week two or week three, but he said, Isaiah runs like he's trying to break the floor or he's trying to, like, make waves on the ground. And you see that when he ran particularly in that first quarter right before that fumble i mean he he looked and in, even after the fumble he looked great that's also another indicator of greatness reese is that even after the fumble he said you know what this is still my job i am taking a grown man's job people that don't say that melvin gordon uh LaShawn mccoy right when they have a fumble then they get the yips and then they are known to have fumbles isaiah pacheco has one fumble dusted off his shoulder and now becomes the cowbell for the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, I am so excited. We've talked about this and predicted this in training camp. I won't say that you and I are the oracles of Kansas City, but I will say that we are. We, we were one of 
the few people, of course, everyone loved Isaiah Pacheco, but we were so bold to say that at some point, Isaiah would take over this role and not only take over, but now is the cowbell for the Kansas City Chiefs. So very excited to see him and against a good defensive line. Um, I I actually wasn't going to talk about him. We can talk a little bit about him, but I want this to be the Isaiah Pacheco podcast and then Petra Mahomes podcast. But that defensive line has Josh Allen, the other really good Josh Allen on defense, and it did not deter the Kansas City Chiefs from succeeding. Zero sacks for Patrick Mahomes and a good game from OBJ, actually. OBJ held his own against Josh Allen. I'm not going to be a OBJ stand because it's still very hot and cold from him, but we saw some great stuff there. Just wanted to give him a little shout out. All to say Isaiah Pacheco played a good run defense and he excelled. So I'm happy to see that and I'm happy to see more Isaiah Pacheco. (coughs) Now, like I said... They're going to have to stick with this. And the reason being, we now have empirical evidence. Yeah, that's that's what I'm afraid of, Reese, is that next week becomes a CEH game. I could easily see that being the case. I hope it's not the case. But as I'm saying, we have empirical evidence that if you feed Pacheco and let him get into a rhythm, he can be a running back putting up enough yards that they keep teams honest with the run game. For example, week one against the Arizona Cardinals, 12 carries, 62 yards, 5.2 5.2 average. Chiefs versus the Bucks. Isaiah Pacheco, 11 carries, 63 yards, 5.7 average. This game against the Jaguars, we talked about it. He was, uh, sorry. Against the Jaguars, we talked about it. 16 carries, 82 yards, 5.1 average. We don't need him to be Jamal Charles. We don't even need him to be Kareem Hunt. We need him to be a running back who's going to be able to keep teams honest. Force them to stack the box sometimes. It'll take the top off of them. And also be there, like against the Bills, in games where we need to close out. Where we need to extend drives by saying, hey man, it's second and four. I need you to not make this third and two. Yeah, we, again... I will toot our horn again, Reese. We talked about this. We are the oracles of Kansas City. On the last podcast, we said, you know what? Isaiah Pacheco doesn't have to be, like you said, Jamal Charles. But he needs to get consistency. He needs to get the ball and to get reps. Who said that two days later after we posted our podcast? Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy says, I love Isaiah Pacheco. He just needs to get more reps in this, in this offense. And then... EB, you, me, we all shook hands and said, all right, let's feed him the ball. And he was fed. When we have a balanced offense, that is the best offense for Patrick Mahomes. Because then Patrick Mahomes doesn't have to play hero ball. And Patrick Mahomes doesn't have to look like Josh 2022 Josh Allen, who is just making mistake after mistake after mistake because he's trying to win games and he's trying to force the ball into places that they're not supposed to be. And that's what we've seen from Patrick Mahomes. So when we have a balanced offense... Patrick doesn't have to do that anymore. He can say, all right, just uh, all the points that you just said, they have to stack the box. They have to, you know, do stuff that's going to expose those corners and take the top off. So like you said, 
Things are going well. We predicted it. And finally, the Kansas City Chiefs are listening to Fountain City Sports Media. Now, let's hope, Reese, that the national media will start listening to Fountain City Sports Media because today we are going to start ringing the bell for, that's right, Jalen Hurts, MVP. Oh, sorry. I, I, I just read this outline wrong. Oops. Wait, wait, wait. You're saying the Eagles lost? Oh, never mind. Let me let me scratch that. Three, two. JK, I just made all that up because Jalen Hurts just lost. And that was the only thing he had against Patrick Mahomes is that he was undefeated all the stats surpass Jalen Hurts Patrick Mahomes is the real deal 331 yards four touchdowns against the Jaguars and a rare interception I mean I'm not taking any stock in the interception fine whatever Um, a great game for Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes is now the leader in Vegas to win the MVP, especially because of some bad games from Josh Allen and now a loss by Jalen Hurts. Reese, what can't Patrick Mahomes do? Give this man a trophy. Man, he can't let me down. That's all I'm asking. I I think at this point it's fair to say that he's the front runner for the MVP, especially like you said with Jalen Hurts losing tonight. Uh, the other guys who are up there in the conversation, Josh Allen, he's had a really bad two-and-a-half-game stretch. Like we said, he's looking kind of more like 2019 Josh Allen all over again, and that's that doesn't bode well for his campaign. Uh, other dudes up there, I I know people are saying Tua should be MVP because Tua's lightening up, you know. Okay, okay, but here, here's my thing. Here's my thing. I don't think you can give the MVP to Tua when Tua has already been an independent variable in that equation. Or sorry, Tua's already been a control in that equation. The independent variable you've introduced is Tyreek Hill. So mm. Tyreek Hill is making that team good, not Tua. Tua's always been incredibly mid. Now that Tyreek Hill's there and he's putting a historic season up because he's Tyreek Hill, now Tua is playing well. I don't see how you can give the MVP to the guy who's been there the whole time versus the MVP who's coming in putting up record-breaking stats, and making the other guy look good. So that's my knock against Tua, personally. Do you have anything to comment on that? It looks like you got something to say. Oh, I'm eating a Snickers, actually. But I do have something to say. Yeah, hit me up. So, I think everything that you're saying is correct, because the reason why people said Patrick Mahomes should not win MVP was because of Tyreek Hill. What are we seeing now from Patrick Mahomes? Patrick Mahomes is having one of the best statistical seasons he's ever had, and there is no Tyreek Hill. Not only that, but it's not like he's spamming Travis Kelsey over and over and over again. This is a balanced offense, and it could be anyone's night at any time, right? Travis Kelsey, we know, is going to do well, but now MVS is here. Now Kadarius Tony is here. Now McCole Hardman can have four touchdowns in a game. Juju Smith-Schuster, like we said last week, was like the go-to guy. Patrick Mahomes is finding so many different people and making them successful. That makes someone the MVP of their team. Just like you said, Tyreek Hill is on pace for 2,000 yards this year. Does that make Tua the MVP? I don't think so. That means that Tyreek Hill is the most valuable person on that team. Not only that, but it's creating space for Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle was there last year. Were we talking about Jalen Waddle? No. Tua was there last year. Were we talking about Tua? No. No, Tyreek Hill is the reason why that Dolphins team is good. But as we're seeing, Patrick Mahomes is putting up even better numbers than when he had Tyreek Hill. Patrick Mahomes is the MVP of the league. 
He looks great. He is he he just he adjusts every single game, right? I was a little worried after the Bills game, got worried after the Colts game, but he keeps making up for those mistakes. Whereas Josh Allen just keeps burying himself in those mistakes. Sorry, Buffalo Mike, although Buffalo Mike's not going to listen to this podcast. Patrick Mahomes, MVP to beat. We just have to play well and just not make a lot of mistakes, and he'll he'll win that trophy. Yeah, I agree. I think something that's kind of getting overshadowed here in the discussions of everything is that Jalen Waddle might actually be a better running mate for Tyreek Hill than Travis Kelsey was. Because mm-hmm. back, back when it was Kelsey, the story was always like, all right, We'll take the speed guy, you bracket the short over the middle guy, versus now you got two speed guys in Miami. So it's like, okay, so we're, wait, we're all going to take the speed guy? What's that, what's that going to leave with underneath stuff and slant routes and all that? And that's where a lot of teams are getting torched. Is I mean, Tyreek Hill's only got four touchdowns this year. He's being a yards after catch monster, but he's not getting hit deep. The thing that made Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes so much fun was the fact that like Patrick Mahomes can throw it end zone to end zone, and Tyreek Hill can run the end zone to end zone in like nine seconds. You know, that's not the case with Tua. Okay, Tua does have an accurate deep ball, I will admit, but I mean he's still underthrowing him. You know, we're seeing it a lot. He is underthrowing him, and he does not have a hose on him. Now, my question to you then, Armando, is how much MVP consideration should Tyreek Hill be getting considering the fact that, as we've said, he's essentially come in and changed that entire Dolphins dynamic all by himself? Now, if, if I'm not going by the national pundits and seeing the trends of what the national media is picking and just going by my own personal opinion, if Tyreek Hill surpassed 2,000 receiving yards in the season, he should win the MVP, right? Because like even where Patrick Mahomes is now, I don't think Patrick Mahomes is going to surpass 50, 50 passing touchdowns, which he's done in the past um, that very that second season he had 50 plus um so i think with tyreek hill surpassing 2000 is more impressive than patrick mahomes having 50 touchdowns and less than 5000 yards um but we talked about this in the chat and i think it's true no one uh, we saw cooper cup almost get 2000 yards but if cooper cup wasn't even in contention i don't even think he was number two in consideration i don't think anyone other than a quarterback is going to win mvp which actually furthers patrick mahomes case but look this is a found city sports media i will do as i've done before but i'll i'll, I'll do it again a cold a cold snack take back Tyree Kill's playing out of his mind, man. I mean, it's 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 good to see him. And the the irony is that it, it's benefited both. It benefited Tyree Kill. He got his money. He looks like the best receiver in the NFL. And now Patrick Mahomes, also even more so, looks like the best quarterback in the NFL without Tyree Kill. Okay, so we're talking about Tyree Kill then. Someone else we have to bring up, especially after his ginormous game against the Bills, is Joe Mixon? Jefferson. Chill makes me out here. <laughs> Justin Jefferson, uh, not too far behind Tyree Kill. He's got over a thousand yeah, sure. yards himself, tied for the amount the, of touchdowns. Catch, catch of the century. If you catch. haven't seen it, go to go to Twitter. And you know, I would actually argue that I think Justin Jefferson has put the team on his back more than Tyree Kills put the team on the do- or put the Dolphins on his back. What do you think on that? Um, you know. I think that, oh man, well, okay, for the, 
the la- for three weeks out of the nine weeks, Justin Jefferson has scored a touchdown, but for six of them, he has not. So even though he's been a factor in the offense, I don't think he's been as big of a factor as Tyreek Hill. I think Justin Jefferson is a more talented wide receiver than Tyreek Hill. Again, Tyreek Hill is just, he's incredibly fast. He can find the ball. And if Tua is under throwing balls, it's actually easier for Tyreek Hill to catch him. Because if he has, for example, Patrick Peterson, or he has um, Darius Slay on him, and they're toe-to-toe, it's easier for Tyreek Hill to create space. As opposed to Justin Jefferson, who's getting it, like, (laughs) Kirk Cousin is not throwing it right in the bread basket, but Justin Jefferson looks like Megatron, and he can catch it in any angle. So I think Justin Jefferson's a more talented wide receiver, but I think Tyreek Hill surpasses him just because of yards and He's just, he's fast. I think it's also something to look at, too, is that the Dolphins, uh, they got a really interesting regular season schedule here. You know, they, they've beaten some decent teams. Baltimore had an absolute historic meltdown against them. Uh, the Bills, they beat the Bills. And the Bills. Good for them. You know, and, uh, but they Good lost wins. to... They lost to the Vikings, you know, so like the Vikings are better than the Dolphins are, I think. So, you know, there's kind of one for Justin Jefferson. Uh, they, sn- Dude, how they only put up 16 against the Pittsburgh Steelers, Detroit Lions, Chicago Bears, Browns, <laughs> Texans, the list goes on. Now, they still have a game against the Niners, the Chargers, the Bills, the maybe resurgent Packers, and some AFC East Wait, squads is this? in there. who is this, the Dolphins? This is the Dolphins, so they got a chance to Ooh, prove themselves it's a tough schedule. Still. But, I mean, up till now, I will say it has not been a gauntlet of a schedule. You know, the Dolphins and Jets, I will say, are the two teams that I can see winning a playoff game. Like, like I would not be surprised if they, if either of them beats the Ravens, even the Bills. I mean, look, hey, Miami and the Bills play again. I know Buffalo Mike was saying, like, oh, I'm, I'm confident against the Dolphins. After these three weeks, I don't know about that anymore. I think... I would not be surprised. Dolphins or the Jets um, uh, make an upset in the in that. For, especially, especially if the Titans are ranked third. Titans go up against the Dolphins. Do, is, does anyone have the Titans at this point, even with Tanny back? So yeah, I think I think it's a good team. But you're right. I think we're gonna we're gonna know a lot about this Dolphins team in the next four weeks. Okay. So do you have any other potential MVP people that might sneak in and uh, you know steal this if they go on a tear for the next six seven weeks? Yeah, Justin Fields from the Chicago Bears. I hope Get that the fantasy chat's listening because he is for trade. Oh my gosh! No, Justin no, I Field- don't. I don't. I, I honestly think this is Patrick Mahomes' uh, MVP to lose. You know, I, I sure hope so. That was that was the case two years ago. He was a front runner, and then he kind of fell off. Ironically, at that game against the Dolphins, where he threw those three interceptions, and Aaron Rodgers wound up stealing it all. But uh, Geno Smith, you think he's got any chances? I like the way Gino's playing this year, but it's not MVP. I think he wins most improved if there is most improved. I don't I don't think there's a most improved for for the NFL if I'm mistaken. Um, but I mean it did 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 we see this coming? No. But does that mean that he is, you know, better than Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen? No. Like like Gino's incredible and I actually think this is more a Pete Carroll thing than Gino, although I know Pete Carroll doesn't call the plays, but like Look, he saw what was happening with Russell Wilson. We were blaming Pete Carroll for the relationship. It's clear it was all Russell's fault, and it's great to see Gino resurrected. Lamar Jackson, think he's got anything in him? Ooh. 
I don't, he's I don't had think some, so. He's had some great games, just not consistent, especially with um, especially with Mark Andrews out. Like that, that was his Travis Kelsey. So I, I don't think so. Yeah, I would also say I think uh, he's actually visibly regressed in the passing aspect of things. I don't know if he's yeah, injured it's, it's or been what. a weird. It's been a weird couple games. Yeah, so I, I I'm kind of with you. Uh, I don't want to jinx it, but I think Patrick Mahomes is in a good position that if he can continue a steady steady stream of stats, keep those interceptions down, and uh, you know, Lord willing, please stay healthy, then I think you know he's got a very good shot at it. Speaking about good shot, Reese, let's end the podcast with our predictions Sunday night against the L.A. Chargers. Justin Herbert, who just lost, actually, uh, I forget what their record is now, 5-3 and three or 5-4, five and, four, five and I think four, they are now. Yep. They're 5-4 and four now, so a very good cushion against them right now, 7-2 to 5-4. To Reese, what... What score do you have us and and let's let's think worst scenario let's think worst case scenario Reese uh, Mike Williams is back for this game now what what's the score you know I gotta stick to my guns I said earlier when we were predicting the schedule that I thought that we would get one and they would get one now we've already gotten our one so I could see the Chargers in all fairness getting this one as well. I know they've been without some of their top wide receivers. Like you said, Mike Williams should be back, but it's likely that uh, I can never remember his name. I always see him. Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's probably going to be out for that game. Um, But I think with Juju being out, I think having a sudden shock to our offense is going to be a bigger detriment than a offense for the Chargers that's managed to kind of like figure out how to get by without dudes. And now they're going to add a piece back with Mike Williams. I know it sounds like I'm hedging my bet on this one, but I could see the Chargers winning a grinded out close one, like 29 to 27 late field. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, this this game, the the precursor of this game, people would say, oh, Kansas City's going to blow them out. But again, divisional game, even though they lost to the San Francisco 49ers, who we whooped, um, this is one of those games that you know the Chargers always bring their A game. I don't, I don't care if they lost to the Chargers 40-0. to zero. I'm going to be afraid of the of that of that Chargers defense. Um, I'm, I'm very excited for this game because we, I hope we get to see Isaiah Pacheco as the cowbell against a really good defensive line Uh, and then we also get to see Trent McDuffie hopefully against a really good Mike Williams which we talked about in the podcast Um, and then we also get to see because Juju's probably going to be out we'll see what McCole Harbin looks like this could be another great Kadarius Tony coming out game against a pretty good defense in the Chargers Uh, so I'm excited for all these different matchups I agree with you I wouldn't be surprised if the the Chargers win Um, but because of the streak that Kansas City is on right now and I know that they're not going to slack off on this game I know Patrick Mahomes is, has this circled even though the record of the Chargers doesn't seem worthy of it it's always a classic and I think we're going to have another classic game against Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes who I've said in the past right I've said this is this is one of the greatest um, quarterback division duos in NFL history and I'm I'm doubling down I don't care that they're five and four there it's still a good Justin Herbert Justin Herbert hasn't regressed even though he's regressed on your fantasy team I I, I watched that 49ers game he still looks good he just doesn't have a good receiving core so how about I say the Chiefs win 28 to 24 
I hope you're right, because looking ahead, I know we have two games plus a tiebreaker on him right now, but if we lose this game, it's suddenly down to just one game on him, and then after, after that, I don't know what the head-to-head tiebreakers look like, probably AFC or common, component, or common opponents or something like that, but should we lose and they come within a game of us, I think then the division is going to be decided in a two-game stretch. Uh, later on in the middle of December, the Chargers will have back-to-back weeks, Miami and Tennessee at home. So I think we would need them to drop at least one of those games, which sucks because we also need Miami and Tennessee to lose some games. Versus for us, I think the only real hard game on our schedule after this one is going to be at Bengals on December 4th. Uh I mean, both teams, both us and the Chargers have the Rams coming up, so that's, that's kind of a wash. But other than that, Seahawks, kind of. But I, I think after this game, uh, they have two very difficult games left, and we have one very difficult game left. So, yeah. I mean, if if the Bengals is our hardest game after this game, it truly is smooth sailing. Because, yes, the Bengals are good, but... I, I am tripling down on my thought that this is just going to be an absolute revenge game against the Bengals and like like e, EB and Andy Reid have this game circled and they just they're they're going to want to demolish the Bengals. So safe to say we have a quite a, we have a great schedule after the Chargers. So yes, if we get this win, boy am I excited for the rest of this season. I hope you're right. After two games last year, I'm starting to worry that the Bengals are not better than us, but the Bengals are one of those teams that it's like they just have their number. You know what but I'm saying? Even, no, because like even if the Beng- even if the Bengals were elite this year, even if they came out from the Super Bowl and they're like in contention for number one, number two, I still think that we blow them out because I think Patrick Mahomes sniffed that win and he knew that a couple plays would have changed that game, gave us the win, and gave us another Super Bowl and like changes the legacy of Patrick Mahomes early in his career like i am furious after that win and if i'm furious as a kansas city fan like how do you think chris jones feels how do you think eb feels how do you think travis kelsey feels you know what i mean like they got that game triple circled i want to see a beat down against the second best fantasy player in nfl history which is on Reese's fantasy team which is not doing well but hopefully the chiefs do better than Reese's fantasy team I got nothing left to say. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was another stonky episode by Found City Sports Media. Always fun to be with my friend Reese. Uh, stay tuned for next week as, again, like I said, this should be another barn burner, another classic in Sunday Night Football. So stay tuned for more Found City Sports Media content. We'll see you next week. Peace. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at FountainCitySportsMedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. <laughs>